1: Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.
2: This is Full Change with Tom Laidlaw. Tom Slip,
0: Yeah. Tommy Augustus. Tommy, Tommy Jay, J. T.J. Laidlaw. Here we go. You know, it's it's summertime here in the lovely bucolic True Studios in Greenwich, Connecticut. Worms. Warm student. It's also I know it's summertime because it's roller hockey season, and I don't. I know you don't. You never played. Nope. No, oh, no. You guys played road hockey, ball hockey, right? Yep. Road hockey. Yes, we did. Yes. So it, it, here and now, especially, there's roller. It, it, in summer. Everybody stops playing ice and they go to roller tournaments They're all over, all over the country, all over Canada, and it's a huge thing. Yeah, it's roller season. Like Connor Bedard is a big roller guy. Yeah. Pat Maroon. There's a lot of them that still do this. But um it's just I guess there's nothing you ever tried, not even in the nineties. Because you were in LA in the nineties when
2: it yeah. was massive. Yeah, but we never played, but I did play here at Greenwich Kennedy. There's a beautiful place called Todd's Point. It's parked, sure. it's got beach, it's got a road that goes around. And uh as we mentioned recently, Pete Newton was a good, got to be a good friend of mine. He passed away the last a couple of years. years. Great guy. He a, uh, He's a craftsman that he laid Kyle and bathrooms and Kitchen's So we got to be really good buddies. And uh, he would we played men's league together. He wanted to stay in sheep, so we get roller skates sure. and we go around Todd's Point. Especially so especially you skated. Well, yeah, it was it was a great exercise too. So one day I can't remember I was in a bad mood, huh. and uh, you must have said something. Mm-hmm. York, so I going, must have said you were going to. Yeah, okay, fair so enough. I was rollerblading around, and they've got this area where they put the what are the uh, is it like a kayak almost with a sail on it? The surfboards or sail? Oh, like uh, windsurfing. Windsurfing. Yeah. Yes. So they got this one area. Where they put the uh, they put the boats together, and then they carry them across the road. So they got yeah. have two people, and for a portion of time. The sail is like 20 feet long, and it's, Gotcha. it's across the road. Oh, no. So, I'm rollerblading along. They they see me coming. Oh, they, still, no. they still go there. I'm going to mm-hmm. show them who's boss, right? So, I go barreling into the po- the, uh, the, the the sail, oh, <laughs> thinking no. I'm going to knock it down. Knocks me on my ass. <laughs> and there was a whole bunch of people around. They all saw that clearly I was the jerk. Right. right. I am steaming down. You know, I'm human. I don't know what I was going to do. This one guy was there who knew who I was, and he saw me. Stop. Stop you're an idiot like trying to attack a sailboat oh god And he was funny because he, he was right he gave it to me he, he was not that like, kind to me he was like "Tom, stop you, you did this it was like
0: so In the moment you're probably angry you want to fight everybody oh, yeah, with it really embarrassing yeah and like, you gotta get out of there oh that's really great i i i love i when i lived in the city i would skate everywhere and i just grabbed the back of a truck and just post. Oh. i loved it i skated all over new york it was wonderful and i played hockey at, i love this time of year because I any fans who are listening know this you load up, you get your boys, you get the van, you load up, and you drive to some tournament, whether it's Toronto or Florida and then Ohio. And I would go with my guys, Robbie Carr, Eddie Carr, um, Mike Azron. We'd get in the car, and we'd just drive and we'd go away for the weekend. And it was awesome. And it was every time in July. So awesome. we had a wonderful time. And, and it was always, it was great because it, it also sucked up because during the year, you'd play against like roller guys. And then in the summer, well, the ice guys would play. Oh, and they were they, obviously, they were, you know, very good. I, I was at one tournament when, uh, Paul Stastny got drafted they're like hey Paul you just got drafted in the NHL he's like oh that's cool huh.
2: that's
0: so it, it's it's a thing that people do I think more kids do it because the amount of skill yeah. that you have to use and it's form four it's wide open sure. so you have the vision passing skill I'm trying to convince you you're not buying it I don't think not, not a roller no, guy not no. but look a lot of guys we had on played Morris Lukowicz played yeah. Rick Middleton even played a little bit yeah. I, I told you when I got drafted in the RHI by uh, St. Louis I got cut by Bernie Federico that's right so we had Brian Mullen on Brian, was a huge, huge roller guy Brian and Joey. And they still play a game every October. They have a reunion game that uh, my buddy Bobby Morgan is, one of the guys who runs it, they play it. And you are name dropping. I name dropping everywhere, Ram. He runs it. It's on printing school on 40, I think it's 48th Street uh-huh. City. And it's like, they just get back and everyone's a lot older. Right. But like the Mullins still go. I think Brian, Joey, and their brother Kenny
2: uh-huh. go and they play. And it's just a huge deal. We have to, maybe we have to get down to that. I go down. I'm sure they be blessed. You know, you talk about uh, taking trips. Uh, so when I was in college, so after my sophomore year, I had separated my shoulder. Good. And uh, Don Waddell, who's the president of GM of the Carolina Hurricanes. right yep. So he had this old green truck with a cap on the back. So now uh, we're they had to go play the final game, had to take the bus someplace, Bowling Green or whatever it was. Uh, the plan was then we were going to get in Don's truck. And the six of us, three are going to be in the back. Now there's no, there's no insulation or anything like that. And then it's still like Marquette, it's still cold. Yeah, back. it's freezing. So three guys are going to the back, three of you are getting the cap. So they go on the road trip, I'm left behind. They, I, I was going to pack everything up, but I've got my arm in a sling because I had separate my right. shoulder at surgery. So I'm driving over to pick the guys up at the bus, and now we're going right from the bus to drive 30-some hours down the Fort Lauderdale floor. We got a tent, the whole bit of the tent. We got an old sure. These guys got like 100 bucks. So uh, I go to Cheese Gears. It's like the gear shift's on the steering column. So I'm reaching around with my left hand. Oh, no. Pull the gear shift right off. They pull the handle right off. So I pull up to the bus, and I, I walk out. Are you done? It, oh, no. And it's all. He gets a roll of tape, uh, hockey tape, puts it back in, rolls it together. We drive. Thirty some hours to get down there, thirty-five hours back with this tape full. Mm. hockey guys. One of the best trips I ever had. Because we had, it was a blast. We I guess it was a deal we had, didn't have any money. So we were gonna go and have fun, it was all there's there. there's nothing
0: like road trips to, and, and the, the pranks, and I'm sure yeah. you guys did that. We we were playing at, at one point, we we're I think we we're in Cincinnati, and we had yeah, so we had this goalie, Devin Claus, he's a kid, he's 19. And he, <laughs> so our guys did the trip where they filled the garbage can with ice water. We opened the door, splashed. So Nice, nice. So yeah. I, I don't know if I can even tell this story on the podcast um, you know, we had some city kids we played with and they were like diff- cut different right so Marcus Fajardo who's a phenomenal hockey player big listener in Spain for us right now by the way oh, Marcus, Marcus Fajardo Marcus Fajardo so he is like "Oh, well, I'm going to get those guys backs so, can I say this go ahead so he takes a shit oh nice and he writes on their door in their room because he's sticking up for our goalie who's getting right? FU number 8 that was him right yeah and then he put, uh, puts on the door handle puts on the rental car yeah. handle too yeah right so they didn't they were pick up oh. and, and then he also did another one we're in, we're in Cincinnati I think I drove back no this was a different maybe that was Florida this was Cincinnati I'm driving back with him and he's like call Robbie and Eddie Car. so he calls our guys he's like hey they put their power back on at the hotel and they're like no it's still out and he's like all right let me know when they fix it turn the main power off in the hotel <laughs> he did really <laughs> so guys would I was at a I was playing ball hockey again in Philadelphia once and these these guys like they blew a, they had amazing. blew a door off on the hotel rooms. insane. Okay, like, just insane. Some people, I mean, these aren't like, you guys are pros, so you, you can do some crazy stuff. But yeah. these guys had like regular jobs of like, you get arrested, you know, some crazy shit. You, I know you did the, a lot of the,
2: the furniture tricks, but is there anything else cool you guys did? Uh, well, Nicky Cattillo is one of the best. Like he'd go down a restaurant da- downstairs that had a lobster, like live lobster floor in a tank. So he'd go grab live lobster, break in the same guy's room, and then put the lobster on the guy's chest. So he wakes up and there's a lobster crawling on his That's epic, eff- yeah but Mickey was good. We, uh, yeah, we did stuff. Uh, we didn't get, we got traded up. I got traded up the league with Bobby Carpenter. Bobby wasn't a really well liked guy. Uh, oh, really? we, I know him now and he's fantastic. We've all changed, you know, when I was, yep. uh, but we got him one night. We, not, we just went in and had a big bucket of water and poured it
0: on his bed. And Wait, it, you're the new guy getting traded with him and you don't stick up for him and you jump with the other guys. Yeah,
2: to, He was, he's was not a well liked, uh, at that time, he, and again, it wasn't fair He got to a whole season in LA where he, or should me, in Washington where he held out for a new contract. Oh, like, right. People don't like that. He was that young kid. He was like, a 50, 50 goal scorer. Oh, yeah. No, he was a good player. And again, I've seen him since and, and we're like, we've all changed. Yeah. Uh, but it was, yeah, he was not a, uh, he was just, he was a different guy than everybody else. It wasn't like people hated him. So he was just, yeah, like, different. American. But that's a lot of little stuff, you know, like Larry, Larry played fair. Big Larry played fair. Tough guy. Right? You didn't mess with him. Uh, he would do a lot of little things. Like, um, so uh played with him in LA came back to new york i'm all excited to be back at the yeah. square garden go to three skate in the morning uh back then we didn't take a bus to go back to the hotel it didn't make sense in manhattan so we just take cabs sure so i'm running around i got a bunch of people i got to meet tickets and all this stuff he had gone in and sold my pocket <laughs> the, the money inside so which i couldn't see right it's just like the pocket Yeah, yeah, yeah. meticulous like nice. so i get in the cab i don't know this is going on i get in the cab i go to pay the <laughs> cabbie i can't open i mean the cabbie doesn't speak english and i've tried to say to I can't get your money. He's thinking I'm trying to rob. Did, oh, that's a good look. Oh, it was really good. He put a lot of time into just a small. He would do things like he'd get into practice early. he put a, just a cup of water uh, at the top of your stall. And then he'd run a string, like a lace, a whole bunch of lace, all the way around the room where he's sitting. he'd, sit he'd like, haven't. Uh, yeah. Then he'd sit. The funny thing about it was that he put so much time there, that tiny joke. Yeah, that, yeah. That's really. really
0: and he was a, a big, tall guy saying, you know, a, got to just kind of take it from and, it. and just a great guy too he would never fight one of his own teammates because of something like that but he was yeah but that's what and again it goes back to it no matter what kind of if you played in the nhl or in college or played roller or a, a mite or a peewee it's nothing like hockey road trips
2: yeah it's the yes. best you know the thing i look back at though here's something i regret well yeah wow. uh hazing yeah so i took part of that i was never hazed i had never got it even at pro, at pro level i don't know why uh well you're t- well that what well, you're talking about two different things so there's pranks that we were talking about and then there's actual right initiation yeah. rituals so back in these days this is getting the guy on the trainer's table taping him down shaving his head shaving his testicles yep. all that stuff uh, testicles wow it's a medical show but the worst i saw was chris gonsopolis oh they got him they have we told us I, I don't think you told us uh, this katsi for uh, so okay. yeah so uh when you come in as an nhl player your first year especially back then it was like respect the older guys You sure, know, right. you can joke around a little bit but that's not katsi's personality right katsi's right. got that fiery personality always talking back and everything so they they decided they are going to get him. it's the right play land he came about this, a trainer's table. They t- put a stick underneath the uh, the table, tied his arms to it like he's on a cross and the same thing with his legs, right? And so he's laying there with no clothes on. And he's just tied. It. I mean, it's, it's a little, you know. So they tied a ski lace to his uh, penis yep. up over the pipe but popped the there, stretched a little bit so he couldn't move. Well, you guys did that. To, they did that at to Duguay too. So there's a whole method to yeah. this. So then they got Gatsy. I've never seen this before where they, uh, one player who I won't name, urinated into a cup. Right in front of Kotze, so he could see what they're doing. Oh, gee. He then took the urine, dumped it out, but came back with a glass of hot water. But Kotze still thinks that it's oh, urine. Tr- like, okay. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, they got him. He's pinned down. He can't move because if he moves, he's going to lose his, right, right, his, right. his family. Yeah. So, um, so, they pin his nose and they start pouring what he thinks is the urine down the stroke but it's hot water. And he's squirming and everything. And, and then they're, they shave him, but they do it with a loose razor for their neck. And like, how is this? building the team exactly well that's I glad you said that so they finished up they came over to me and they came right beside me and said "Can you going to talk anymore this year i said no sir i'm not talking anymore this year and that's your your point is exactly right it was just like a rite of passage i look back at it now like any teams that coach i coach the high school team years ago and they had they didn't do that kind of stuff but there's like traditions yeah i said no there'd be no more of that stuff one of the best things i ever heard was from zidane when he was captain of the boston bruins uh and they asked about hazing or in the treatment, like even now at the NHL level, they have a, a team dinner. The players, the rookie players, will throw their credit cards in and pay for them. Sure, and they'll have champagne and the whole bit. So it's like the bill is sometimes fifteen, twenty thousand yeah. dollars. But he said, "No, you know what? If you're on this team, you're on this team. Right. Now you need to respect the older players, but you're not going to get treated any less because you're a younger player." I thought that's. Because looking back at it, it was just like, "I think we accomplished that." it was accomplished yeah. not accomplished that. It was just more. The old guys had gotten haze before.
0: Yeah, they passed that down. But yeah. then it, eventually someone broke the cycle, though.
2: Yeah. Well, I think the laws changed, too, where it just you were allowed to do that. Yeah. Because the stuff they did in the past, you know, they thought about Bobby War and all those great players that got the uh, sheet. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing. It, it served no purpose whatsoever. It didn't help anybody. It didn't help the team. It didn't help the young players.
0: Yes yeah that doesn't it doesn't serve any purpose it doesn't it's just like it just makes derision basically because now there's definitely a chip down below yeah. so you're either saying i'm going to get those guys back or i'm waiting for the next guy to come right. so i can get him and
2: that's kind of sick well most yeah. players it was kind of, it's like because a lot of players are like yeah okay now i'm in the group i've gotten hazed so now i'm part of the group that that's how a lot of guys work. now there's other guys uh well i'll tell you because he said it on a show uh mike allison he and i started together they hazed him out in vancouver i think it was and he said I, he says, I was pissed. He says, Yeah. Yeah. I, I did. wasn't called for at all. Didn't like it. Again, th- that was, I, that was rare though that a player would take that attitude more. It was like, Okay, I'm a rookie. That's, that's,
0: yeah, okay. I got it. Got but that's also,
2: you know, that's like things have changed. I mean, you can't, <laughs> I, get, that doesn't do, that doesn't idea yeah. for anybody. I mean, that's, yeah. again, I look back at it now and I, I make sure I tell kids this listen, whatever team you're on, whether I'm coaching or not hazing does nothing yeah, for you nothing. There, no there's, there's no purpose were you involved you were directly involved in some of those oh, rituals yeah again for me I was first year captain then the first year but you were all freshmen though right so but so it wasn't though the what we didn't get it was the first year so it's the second year so now we got a new okay class of people coming in so we would initiate them we didn't do terrible things to them uh we do things like so that our practice rink was kind of it was in the gym big building where there's other offices and all of that and there's always kids coming and going so we would Tie people to a chair nude, and then we dump a big bucket of ice on their crotch. So as they're sitting there, they're freezing, they're shrinking, but they're now the the, the ice is now melting and people are walking by. Oh, them. God. Or we put them in elevators like that and stuff. So it's, yeah. So you're just big, like
0: bullies, just bullying people.
2: Yeah. Oh, uh, and another one of the stories, looking back at this is what we're supposed to
0: do. But I mean, in a 30,000 foot view, it's not cool. It's, oh, like, it's, there, cool it's, cool. Tra- it's traumatizing. It, yeah. it,
2: you know, oh, man that's a good point. We had one player who uh, had some, like, I can't his had some mental health like depression or whatever and we were aware so we were we went through the process to make it because again we were looking at it that this is now how you're kind of sworn into being one of the boys yeah doesn't mean that's correct that we looked at it that way but that's how we looked at it so we we wanted we actually wanted him to be one of the boys but we didn't want to initiate him the same way we did everybody else so it's more like we took him into the room went through the motions what we're going to do and then
0: but i mean you could just you could initiate someone by saying hey first year guys you pick up the pucks at the end of practice yeah like simple stuff that I
2: mean, yeah, and that should almost be something that you're exactly right you you carry the bags maybe from the bus to the building those kinds of things or not not even you're just the extra the team stuff yeah not even like don't carry a player's bag but like you know you guys you guys clean
0: up the ice yeah. you guys of that yeah. so and yeah
2: and that's that's kind of the way that kind of stuff should be an automatic thing that young players just understand that's part yeah. of what it is and that's really that's it then they're yeah because yeah again i know this is totally wrong but our logic was that even I didn't want to get initiated, right? Uh, but when I didn't get initiated, it was like I didn't feel like I was one of the boys. You know, I, yeah. I, I'm glad I avoided this, But I felt like, she's why aren't?
0: Yeah, but that's a little bit. I mean, that gets a little bit twisted psychologically oh, too. You know, that's not, kind of a mess.
2: We've been around enough <laughs>
0: Listen, you respect your elders. You know, especially on the 18, and and you just you know you do. Right. You just don't make it about you, and you just be. It's well, that's all, the yeah.
2: thing with these young kids coming in now, like David Matthews. Those guys coming in, at 18 years old, they're so polished. Oh, being so mature. Watch Bedard. Watch his interviews. It has hurt some players. There's a young guy at the defensive for the Flyers, like five or six years. Was it Gothisburg? Gothisburg. Gothisburg. Yeah. So, Ghost. he came in as an 18-year-old was really a good player, had a great year. And the story was with him that he wasn't he wasn't mature enough to handle it. That really? He, he really thought he was that... Uh, Veteran player and uh, really hurt his game, and his game went downhill after left. That now that can't be the whole reason, but that was part of it.
0: Yeah, I think he's he just signed with somebody, they, you know, I mean, okay. think. know, maybe Florida or something. But yeah, I guess you have to be you have to be respectful. But it's it's almost shocking that someone wouldn't be right. because.
2: And you know what it is too? It's having a strong locker room, like having good yep. like that's the big thing about Boston, the culture they built with Patrice Bergeron, yep. Char, when he was there. Like you walk in there, like that Charlie McAvoy is that the description? Sure. Yeah, Rhode yeah. uh, Island kid. Wow, yeah. When he walked in, like, wow, like his confidence level was off the charts. But I thought to myself, well, okay, he's not going to get cocky. Chances are he won't become cocky. There's nowhere with Zadino Chow there. Yeah. There's no chance. Yes. Six foot nine yeah. stud yeah. who's yeah. outworking everybody, a oh. 40. The way he carries himself is such a professional. Bergeron's the same weight, playing with a punctured lung. Yeah, the ribs and all this kind of stuff. As a player, you're watching this stuff. He say, well, those guys do it. I better be able to. Now, that's how I'm learning yeah. how to be a pro. And player. those are three Hall of Fame, including
0: Marshawn, who was a pass, but yeah. is also what yep. works hard as a great player. I mean, that's.
2: And that's why for me, I look back. For- you know having a guy like carol vadney uh sure think, well, he was in that category too but with that like directly like he, he was on top of me like he saw something I yep. was his project not a baggie that was invaluable like learning the things that i've that learned from very me. very underrated player was yes. really good defense <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh yeah nasty oh he would do some stuff you just you watch him doing you was he, he was he a smoker he looks like a smoker was he a smoker cigars Yep. Yeah, he looks like the type. Yeah. He was really into his art. Uh, he had a lot of art. We're cultured. Yeah, he was. He cultured. Guy. He drank his white wine or red wine and his cigars, Yeah. Do you Do you guys have a lot of smokers on your plane? Uh, you know, guys like Gresher was a smoker. Uh, Eddie Johnson, we called him Siggy because he had okay. uh Eddie wouldn't smoke in the locker room, but in between periods, he'd go to the bathroom that was adjacent to the locker room smoking
0: in the bathroom. So but that, I mean, I thought people were smoking. The garden was full of haze yeah. from all the smoke. Yeah. Did you you ever smoke cigarettes?
2: No, couldn't. I tried uh, when I was a kid. And my mother was a smoker when she was younger and she quit smoking, but I, I tried and I just
0: I, I hated it. My entire family, my dad told me a great lesson. You'll like this, Tom, because you like these kind of lessons. So I was eight, eight or nine, maybe even younger, and I was at the bar with my dad after a softball game. I was like, that's so cool. You're smoking. And he's like, you think this is cool? Here, try it. And I, took, I can taste it to this day. Right. I took a—I took a puff and I vomited. I could see the curve. I could see my face going to the ground. It was disgusting. That stuck
2: with me. I never smoked. I never smoked cigarettes. It That's a good lesson, yeah. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so my first experience with alcohol, I think I was like 14, 15 years old or shit. something. And, uh, we got into the lemon gin. I don't know uh-huh. how this happened. Well, what is it? Oh, I, I, next day, uh, I think that was probably the first time I drank, uh, all my buddies that I was with that night, were now coming over to, uh, by that time we'd sold our farm, built another house in a yep. pool in the backyard. So it was a summer day, we were coming over to some of the pool and my parents saw it, didn't know. And the kids all started joking around. My mother got wind of what they were talking about. Oh,
0: shit. wow.
2: But, I remember the biggest thing because I was throwing up. I was terrible. I, could, yep. I was you know, yellow and all that kind of stuff. Well, you learned a lesson today, didn't you? She, if she was not happy about that, oh man!
0: <laughs> no, why? Why would she? Yeah, you know. Wow, but that you know, you learn your lesson. But well, maybe you
2: learn your lesson a little bit, right? Yeah. Don't drink lemon gin. My uh, my my youngest son Cody, he's thirty now. He's probably like fifteen, whatever, 15, 16 years old. I'd always talk to him and said, "Listen, you're going to drink. You shouldn't. Yeah. You got to wait till. But we're not naive, right? Right. Two things: if you're ever in trouble, and need to ride someplace, you call. Uh, even if you're drunk, I will come and get you. I won't ask you any questions. Sure. that you know you're safe. And secondly don't get in the car with somebody else that's been drinking right so uh he had gone out with his friends uh his mother had picked him up and uh they got in the garage of her home and he started throwing up in the garage oh, boy. and uh so they called me and uh i don't know she I, maybe she was panicking or whatever so i said put him on the phone please mm-hmm. and uh, i said uh, cody you've been drinking because i, I know it's so clear that yeah. it's and, right so i said okay i'm coming over tomorrow i'll be there about six o'clock in the morning come on now i'm thinking i'm yeah, i'm gonna Torture this kid! You know, I'm gonna make him sit there yep. with me, turn the heat up, and he walks out. He looks terrible. Oh, you know, that look—yeah, yellow and green. green. Yeah, yeah. We sat there talking probably forty-five minutes. You know, like the fatherly lecture. Listen, your health you can't be doing this stuff again. I'm here. Yep. All the things you think you should say to your son when he's go through that. And then I said, "So, did you learn anything from this?" And he'd been drinking gin as well. He says, "Yeah, don't drink gin." <laughs> time to guy <laughs> <time> to God. <laughs> And he knew what he was doing. <laughs> I had to laugh a little bit.
0: No, yeah. It's, uh, it's great. Our dads give us great. I, I I remember the time in high school, I I got I got drunk with two of my friends. Uh, they really brought back, oh, rest in peace, bread. Uh, but my dad, they called my father and he picked us up at the park. I was throwing up all over the place. I remember we drank Grolsch beer, which is this Holland beer. It's disgusting. Right. Anyway, I threw up and bread before he passed, would always tell the story. We got together. He'd say, Your father because the saddest of My dad was like everyone's baseball coach, too. So got I was in the backseat puking, whatever I was done. He's like, he said, your father turned to you and said, Smitty, alcohol's a funny thing. And sometimes you got to get fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the whole conversation. That was it. That oh, was, there was no. Other, and I, I was great. He didn't, I thought I'd be, you know, grounded and all that. He's just like, and then yeah. later he just told me, just don't be an idiot. You know? Yeah.
2: But don't you think that's better? Like, yes. I, like, I remember I had a motor home when my boys were smaller. So we traveled around, we'd sit outside, I had a beer with me. So I, I let him, I'd try to sip of it. I said, listen, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. But I think you would make it a bigger deal than the one to like sneak do it. Don't touch it. Oh, yeah. Because they, they, they have a curiosity,
0: especially at that age because our you know our prefrontal cortexes aren't developed. So we still, you know we don't make the best decision for, yeah. for that age. But dads, again, I'm glad we're ending on dads giving great advice to their kids, to their boys, because we have, next we're going to have uh, a son of uh, a legend. We have Bobby Nystrom's nice son, Eric Nystrom nice on the show. And it's going to be a great episode. He, he His dad was, I'm sure, a wonderful role model for him because yeah, he's not- always talked about how much he respected Bobby yeah. Ny, you know?
2: Yeah, it'd be interesting to listen to him talk What it's like to be a son of an NHL player I had a real big impact player Oh
0: yeah you. Mark Howe the same way with his Sure House. And, and, and well, Brian Boucher's son is a first round drafter too So we've got some cool stuff going on But yeah, this is a great episode People going to enjoy Eric Nystrom Who's a Long Island kid who, who made good And had a great career in the NHL Hi, right, Tom, we have on a, a great guest today. We have a player who had a wonderful career on his own and is also the son of somebody who knocked you out cold. <laughs> sitting out of Long
2: Island's own Eric Nystrom. Eric, how are you doing there, brother? Thanks for having me. Yeah, good Good to see you again. We met each other. I think we knew each other, but we met each other in Dallas. What was that? Like uh, November or something? We played that charity game?
1: Yep, yep. Uh, somewhere around there. I can't keep track of the
2: time anymore. That, that's when the Stars destroyed the Rangers alumni team, right? Back a <laughs> bad goal today. We said to the goalie at the start of the game he actually works for the rangers That's that mike, mike, mike Fasulo. yep said to him at the start of the game listen we'll see you after the game because i'm not coming back our own zone he thought we were joking around but we could uh it's a it's a little different when
1: one one end has kari lettin and yeah. the other end has the uh the rangers uh media
2: i don't get right <laughs> you, that's right because you guys yourself you're still in great shape and kari Letnin's out there a bunch of, Yeah, bunch yeah bunch of good players are too that's spot that's great weekend though so what the stars do every year they'll set up a game against uh obviously another nhl team bring them in uh they got a fantastic day. The uh, lounge there, they had dinner the night before. Oh, yep. man. Yeah, that's yeah. the uh, the alumni center. Wow, that was cool. Very cool. So how are things? You're living where now? I'm in uh,
1: West Palm Beach, Florida, Wellington, actually, just a little bit outside of West Palm. Moved down here from Michigan about a year ago. Oh. And uh, I definitely weather-wise and palm
2: trees, can't complain. Uh Oh, yeah. So let's talk about this. I hope you know that your father tried to uh, end my life uh, several years ago. He was actually very nice. We were playing a series. And he knocked me out right at the end of the game. He was mad. I think I was hitting a bunch of guys, and he said he wasn't going to let that happen. So he came in with the forearm shiver, knocked me out, spent the night in the hospital. But he was great after. He came to me uh, before the next game. He called me. He certainly wasn't afraid of me, uh, tough as he was. But he he felt bad. He said, listen, Tom, I apologize. You know, I respect you out there. And yeah, I didn't really mean to almost kill you, but did. So
1: I mean, I mean, if you, if you watch his YouTube videos online, it makes a lot of sense. You know, he, he, he was a competitor. <sighs> and hopped his nails. Wow. And back then, you know, the I think the
2: rules were a little bit different. Yep. So he yep. probably didn't even get a penalty. Oh, yeah, I dread I don't know if he did. You know what's funny? Uh, so I came in thinking I was the toughest guy on the planet. You know, I could play college hockey. He really didn't fight that much, but I still thought I was Mr. Tough Guy. And uh, I played in the preseason game and fought Hector Marini. I went pretty well for me. So they put me in the big game against the Islanders the next night. I wasn't supposed to play. And your father came right over to me right away. Yeah. I think he must've been told that I got in a fight and did pretty well, he banged me. And I said, do I want to fight this guy like every night? I mean, that's his reputation, right? If you're gonna start fighting them, then it's gonna to have to happen every night. That, oh, he said, he said to me one time too, uh, we were yapping or something. He goes, I let you hit me. I, I let." You <laughs> What are you going to say to that when somebody says that? Yeah,
1: he's so. he he's a cut from a different cloth, than you know all you guys from that generation. Yeah, and, you know it, it it's not like that anymore. The yeah. the the tenacity, the grit, and it was just pure, just in the competition of the game. You know, like it yeah. wasn't uh, towards the end of my career, we kind of had the enforcers that played very minimal shifts, got, got that shift. And, and then they fought the other enforcer and, and, you know, I had the utmost respect for those guys and what they brought to the team and the energy. But, you know, back then it was more just, you guys were just such intense competitors in the competition, hated to lose that, that it was just, they were, it was all about the passion, right. And when those altercations happened. So it's a little different, but you guys are crazy back then. (laughs)
2: Well, you know, it's funny too, like, you know, we say this stuff, like I, I respect your father so much. So he knocks me out cold. I spend the night in the hospital, but I talk about how much I respect him. And that's the way it was back then. It's just, we would want to do anything to win. And I think, uh, because we were like that, we did respect each other more, you know, we became friends with your father after, Clark Gillies. I played with John Tonelli, Bob Moore and all those guys. So, right. So rather than work on your skating and your skills, you just were just a big lunkhead basically. Yeah that's what <laughs> yeah, that's what they wanted me to do yeah got it can you what's real saying coming in as a crusher you try to be a rusher you're soon to be an usher oh 100 absolutely yeah. well I like your, your career I, yeah i think tom's still ready to be a crusher look at this guy <laughs> you're in shape too i've learned more about conditioning now than i knew what back when we played we thought beer was a food group back then so um <laughs> whoa sweet man cave thanks serious upgrade how'd you pay for all
1: this i got a home equity line of credit from figure I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep, the application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs, just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824, Terms and Conditions Apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org.
2: Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.
1: So uh, where'd you grow up then? Um, on the island. Uh, played played there my whole life. Uh, my, my parents were, we were in Sci-Osset. Uh Great setup because the Islanders practice rank, I moved in about in eighth grade about two minutes from the Islanders practice rink in Syosset oh. so we had just an unbelievable setup there because one of my friends as as I got older and was getting into like uh, college and into the pros one of my friends actually worked at the rink he was a goalie and he was and he knew how to drive the Zamboni so whenever <laughs> the rink was open oh yeah so whenever the rink was open we'd c- go down we'd shoot on him he'd zamboni the ice and then he'd lock up the rink so oh, that's funny it was a, a real blessing to have that that set up, but uh, yeah, I grew up on the island, right. did the billet thing after uh, my in my junior year of high school, moved out to Michigan, played for that U.S. development program, okay, okay, and uh, went that route, and then uh, ended up playing college hockey at Michigan. So was that, oh, China?
2: Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, I went. I went to, to Northern Michigan, the Harvard. The not not a school. It's like community college. bush. <laughs> that's right. Bush definitely. Definitely, and
1: Eric, you stayed all four years at Michigan, right? Yeah, stayed all four years. Um, my my uh, my senior year was actually a lockout, so there wasn't really an opportunity to to leave school. But I wouldn't have had it any other way. I Had the best experience in in at uh, at Michigan, got the degree, made made my closest friends there, and uh, wouldn't have changed that for anything.
2: Did you have Red Berenson coaching when you were there?
1: Red was a coach. Still, uh, so I was living there for you know five years after i retired i went back to school did a master's degree at u of m and i ended up being there for about five years and uh there's a tuesday night skate at yo Ice arena where all generations of former michigan hockey players come and red goes out there full equipment helmet on ready to go slashing you in the back of the legs real chirping yeah oh yeah still gets out there full equipment he's in phenomenal shape i think he's 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 uh i want to say he's like 80 or 81 now, yeah so but he's retired he's not coaching now right he's, no he's not coaching now no he's been out for uh for quite a while now but right. uh i owe a lot to that man he's an incredible incredible teacher incredible coach motivator wow. accomplished individual so uh he was a great role model
2: so when you were growing up then and obviously your father winning stanley Cups and being bob nation not just Yeah, we talked about how tough he was, right? It wasn't just like he was another player. Like, he was one of the most feared guys. Goals, he scored were big game-winning goals in the four cups, going to the finals five times. Was it a dream of yours to play in the NHL? You know what? It it was, it never really,
1: I never even thought about it, to be honest. But uh, I was privileged enough to just have access to the rink all the time. You know, um, after my dad finished playing, he was an assistant coach for a little bit. And then he did a lot, he did some uh color commentary on the radio um after he was after he's done playing so you know we would go to the rink at six o'clock in the morning of the coliseum he had a key to the coliseum because he would go to the office wow so again you know he we would go on the ice at 6 a.m just a bucket of pucks, me and him and stayed on the coliseum ice i uh, get to go to all the games and like help him uh you know work on on getting the stat lines ready for his uh, analyst job so i was always around hockey but and I think it was just I just loved it so much, but I didn't have that pressure of, of you know I want to be an NHL hockey player. I just played it because I loved it, and and as and that just kind of opened doors. And as I got a little bigger, you know, I I just I had this the the skills you know the, the size and the genetics to excel in the game. And plus, you know, it, it doesn't hurt having a four time Stanley Cup champion teaching you the game. But uh, being from Long Island, I didn't even know I didn't know what Major Junior was. I didn't know how the recruiting process worked for college hockey. I just played and and from that, you know, the opportunities arose and and you know, the the doors opened that way, but just it was just purely because I loved playing hockey and I never had these high expectations. And then as I started getting to those levels, you know, I made the US program, and the first time I got on the international stage, and played against international players within my age group, I thought, "All right, I I got a pretty good chance at this because I I thought I stacked up well and then you get into these uh, you know central scouting draft lifts and then you know college recruiting getting a scholarship I was like wow I never thought in a million years I'd be here and it was just because I loved being around the game but it was never like I gotta make it to the NHL and that Eric comes from a a
0: generation the Long Island generation of great players like Chris Higgins Matt Gilroy uh, uh, Mike Komasaric
1: right so you have a huge crew there that became pro players for long island yeah we had a great group our summer skates were awesome a lot of the islanders would come back uh, we had some great mentors uh that were playing in the league at the end of the summer they'd come back and skate with us when we weren't uh, even in the league you know we were just kind of coming coming into the minors and and in college um, there's just so many great guys that would come and teach us and show us how how they prepared and how they practiced but uh yeah, we had some great age groups. I, I played at Portledge, which is a, a good a, – a, a local prep school on Long Island. You don't room and board. And then I um, – so. but we had the opportunity to practice every single day. But guys like Doug Murray from San Jose Sharks, right. a Swedish guy. His cousin went to the school. I don't know how he ended up going to Portledge, but Doug was on our team. Ryan Vesey. Oh, wow. uh, we had another kid, Evan Wax, played at Yale. Kenny Toronto, Harvard. We had a bunch of uh, – Gerard Miller went to – uh UVM. We had all these D1 guys playing on this small prep school team on Long Island, but then we also played for that Apple Corps program as well at a little bit of a higher level, but we had access to the ice and a great age group bracket, and a lot of guys were really successful.
2: Well, that's amazing, right? You, know, you think places like Toronto or Montreal, those are the hockey hotbeds, you know, the kids are growing up in that hockey environment. You wouldn't really think that Long Island would have that kind of environment, but clearly you, you did all those great young players. You know, uh, I I, I want to ask you too. We had just had Mark on recently, and he said that
0: Gordy was wasn't tough on him, but it was firm. How was your dad with you?
1: You know, he 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 really stayed out of the way. To be honest, uh, he always like he he would always be the assistant coach on the team, but he would always run the defense. He would never come and run the offense, like to just give that space. But you know, he, obviously these coaches uh, and might squirt Pee Wee. That they're not going to run the same type of practice as Bob Nystrom is. Yeah. So he ran great practices. He had all these drills, helped with the skills. But the only time that he was really hard on me is if that I didn't put the effort in. Because he just said, you know what, I'm not going to be shuttling you around if you're not going to put the effort into the game. But it wasn't, it was never an overbearing parent. It was just, you come to the rink, you're going to work hard. Otherwise, we're not going to come to the rink. You know it's you think not that, you think that logic has helped you in life after hockey as well well i mean he, and it, it absolutely but also you know his his you know that the players in that generation as well as successful as they were on the ice financially they weren't yeah. getting paid the bucks he he had the work ethic he made his career after playing hockey in the business world right. and had great success so Obviously, being a hardworking player on the ice contributed greatly to his success as a player. But then, you know, the lifestyle he created after playing was also work ethic driven in the business world. So I got to see that firsthand. The guy's still working. I I can't get him to stop. Yeah, we're, we're trying to get him on the show
2: so he's too busy all the time. Oh, he's he's, he's always going. Isn't, isn't it your, uh, your mother and he go out there and they hike out in the mountains and everything too? Yeah, they they head out to Colorado in the summertime for a few
1: months. They're actually heading out there uh, within the next couple of weeks. But they're cycling at the altitude, 50-mile mm-hmm. yeah. bikes, 47 miles uphill, 3 miles down. Wow. They're, oh, <laughs> they are crazy. He makes you look like a wuss. Oh, he, oh, I don't know, Tom. You should go out there one summer with him. You got... That'd be do fun. The That'd calendar. be fun. We actually go out there and do
2: a show out there. Yeah, fun. He's, he's doing crazy stuff out there, and yeah. it's it's awesome. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. So, who were you drafted by? Calgary. Calgary. What round did you go in?
1: I went first round to Calgary after my first year at Michigan. Ended up, I was in the organization there for about four years, and um, then I went to Minnesota. I actually, I was a free agent. Went to free agency signed with Minnesota a 3 year deal and felt like uh you know I had to live up to this contract and I put all this pressure on myself like okay I'm making this my first time you know like I I and you know I just it just wasn't a great season Oh, too much pressure then uh I got traded to Dallas and just found a really nice niche real great chemistry with the team good opportunity a coach really liked me there and that was a uh, just like a great Time of my career, and then after that, I was a free agent again. Went to Nashville and finished my career there.
2: You say Scott Col- uh, coaching in Dallas when you were there,
1: Glenn Gulletson.
2: Oh, Glenn Gulletson. Okay,
0: yeah. You know, it's great that you you say that, though, because a lot of the fans listening think this guy signed a big contract. Why isn't he producing? But they don't they don't take into account that you're a human being and there's expectations, as there's, there's emotions, there's struggle. And you know, you said it yourself. You fit
1: better with Dallas, and I don't think we get to see that. You know, we think you got yeah. all these machines. Yeah, you know what? Like, yeah, yeah, like I just I didn't get a my my couldn't I had so many chances couldn't get that first goal in Minnesota and then it just like the the gripping the stick and just it just the confidence it, it's a game of confidence yeah. and I just my confidence was I had none whatsoever and uh, I was putting all this pressure on myself and then you know the opportunity I got I got moved to Dallas and just got connected with some line mates that I really found great chemistry with a system that i fit well in and um you know had, had success early there which helped me boost the confidence and uh, that that ended up being some great years
2: it's amazing right you look back at it now and you think how did i lose my confidence right like yeah. i know i've told the story many times but here we okay. go here we go i was on the all-star ballot one year was it 0- 87 87 this fine gentleman here yep. actually got the uh, ballot but I remember thinking that was the worst thing that ever happened to me. And now I felt like I'm not have an all star. I like, wasn't. I like I didn't have confidence mm-hmm. in myself. But I just like I just don't fit no, in. That. I go mean, play in the all star. They spelled James Patrick wrong. That's what yeah. happened. That's <laughs> that <laughs> no, the same thing. Even even after
1: my freshman year, being drafted in the first round, you know, I thought that I had to be like this other type of player because yeah, of the first yeah. round player. But that was actually drafted because of the way that I played. Right. And, you know when you try changing your game because you have to think you have to live up to an expectation. Yeah. You run into some trouble that way. That's that's really so, because Tom. When Tom got drafted and went back to
0: school, he thought he was you know Hercules. How, how was that for you? That sophomore year was it a difficult year? Being you know having this tag on your back now. Your know, first round draft pick now coming back to Michigan.
2: Oh yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Your- oh yeah, for me. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you you just um you, you, you again you put all these expectations on and you think that you have to be like you know a thirty five goal yeah. scorer. But you know my my game was just more suited as like a prototypical type of pro, you know, the two way game could chip in offensively physical, but you know, I, I wasn't like, I wasn't going to go out there and start toe dragging guys, but you know, there was a part of me that started doing a little bit of that and losing my identity. And, and, you know, from that, it it translated to not as successful result on the
2: ice. So definitely there was definitely pressure. on. Did anybody from Calgary come and talk to you and and say that stuff to you? listen, just be the player that we drafted. I just kind of figured it out. I said, you know what, I, I can't be.
1: Uh, this isn't working. Red would tell me too. He'd be like, you know, you gotta get back to your game, or you know, like too cute. He'd tell you, you know, you're playing too cute, stuff like that. He was, he was great at that. He, you know, he he coached so many great players through the ranks, high draft picks, NHL all stars, you name it. So he knew how to deal with that better
2: than anybody. So by the time you get to your senior year, you're back to being the player that they drafted, the Calgary drafted? Yeah, I, I think so. I think it was just—I—I I, I would agree
1: with that. Um, just physical. By that point, you know, we we had some great teams, and mm-hmm. we would just get the puck and the offense is on, and just be cycling machines. I, I think I won the league. Uh, I was like the—I got like the Selkie Award for the best defensive forward what? in our conference for the CCHA. Right. So uh, you know, I, I really carved out a niche as being a great defensive player. And that's kind of what I what I did in the NHL was just some checking line, checking roll. So um, I, I definitely got found my my identity by my senior year for sure.
2: So then, what happens in Calgary? Then did you play right away? Oh my gosh! So yeah, so Calgary,
1: my first year had a great training camp. My rookie year training camp uh, got sent down to the minors. And then after like five games in the minors, I got called up, played a couple games that year, then went back down to the minors for that whole season. My second year got a shoulder injury in training camp, missed a a significant amount of time, came back and the thing just was no good and ended up having a shoulder surgery. So I, I pretty much missed that whole season. Mm -hmm. So my second year missed the whole year. Talk about being like dejected uh, against all odds at adversity. Came back the next year in training camp, went down. And I just said, you know what, I gotta. This is this is it. This is my this is my year. I gotta do it. Went down there for probably like ten games in the year. Just started running around. Came up, dropped the gloves. Mike Keenan was my coach up in in Calgary at the time. I just I dropped the gloves a few times and worked my way into the lineup. And uh, it, and then I was up there ever since after that.
2: So did that become part of your game more now, the fighting part of the game?
1: Yeah, I just started I dropped the glove. I was like, you know what, I gotta I gotta do something to stand out a little bit here, right. you know, and uh it, it definitely added to my stock, no doubt about it. Got me in the door, um, got me respect in the in the dressing room. You know, Mike Keenan obviously loved oh,
2: that yeah. stuff. Well, totally. <laughs> but that, you know, that makes sense though too, right? Because that you know what he wants. So you want to get in the lineup, you get yep. what he wants, and I was gonna play you more. I, w- I just needed to do something. I said, if I want to
1: be in the league, I got to figure out what I'm going to do. And that, at the time, was exactly what I needed to do. And so I just stepped up to the plate. And uh, that, that, that was pretty much
2: the difference maker. Right. Very cool. That's a good story. And then we went, now your father, go back to him, when you start fighting now, is he giving you any pointers or you he still leaving oh, me? home Let me do it? Well, because I got I, a couple of
1: fights, you know, I just got, absolutely. I picked, I bit off of more than I could chew uh, quite, quite often, you know. I, I was like 6'1", 195, not, not the biggest, you know, in terms of some, yeah. picking on some of these big guys just because I just, I just wanted to make it. I uh, had, you, had you
2: fought before? It was the, the first time you fought with, with Carrick?
1: character? Yeah, uh, like, you know, in, in the junior, it, it, like the USA program. Yeah. You know, we did the boxing. We were oh. the teams were always trying to fight us. So I definitely had quite a oh, few fights okay. in in the USHL. But then four years of college, there was really no fighting. Right. So it was uh, it it was a t- especially against guys who came from junior hockey. You know, like that were pretty much yeah. fighting all the time. So I definitely got my ass handed to me quite a few times.
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah. the worst? Who gave you the worst beating?
1: Oh well, let's see. Uh, I, I fought Tanner Glass a, a little later in in my career. Okay. And uh, oh man, he, caught, he me, caught me in the back of the head. I was watching some videos. I thought he was going to come in I with the left. I, saw, I think I saw that video oh, too. Yeah. He went right. He went out. Yeah. I thought he was going lefty and he went right and he oh. tagged me. Oh, I was out cold there. Uh, I, I fought that Adam McQuaid from uh, oh, yeah. offset. I he did, did well. Him. I, I connected a big one with him. But stunned him, cut him. But. Uh, yeah, you know, there's, there's a bunch of, uh, oh, cool. Cody McLeod, Ian La Perrier, but you know, mm-hmm. like that would always give me some, uh, give me some, some pointers.
2: Well, you went after true. the tough guys too. It's not like you went to some goal scorers. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, no. there were some, some bruisers in there. there good. I uh, touched some beatings. So how many games did you get in the National Hockey League?
1: Uh, I think we got like 593. So just under good. 600.
2: Good job. Yeah. So that's, that's a good career. Heck of a career. <laughs> and I, I always say to people listen, go back to your 8 years old and somebody told you you're going to play close to 600 games in the National think Okay, wow, that's that's pretty cool. I yeah. never thought in a million years. I don't
1: think my dad had ever thought that in a million years. Uh you know, the fact that I just even made it to the league. Yeah. You know, he's so proud of that. Yeah. So cool. uh Yeah, he uh he's a great role model for me. In many different ways.
2: Now, what do you what do you do now for work?
1: I'm working in uh I'm actually in cybersecurity. Oh. So you know it's it's just it's just a normal transition from the NHL into cybersecurity. Yeah, yeah, everybody does that. Everybody does that. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny that that though our company we have I think we have like you know eleven or twelve people on our sales team, but uh, four of them are former hockey players. Oh, myself, two other guys actually played in the NHL. One had uh you know probably I think he played like eight games, but a lot of games in the in the coast in the American League. Another guy uh is actually won the cup with uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, played, I think he played like around a hundred games. And then we had another guy who played in the KHL. So we have like a little hockey team in the cybersecurity company. But, um, yeah, I, I, uh, a lot of hockey players get into the sales business. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's a relationship type business, yeah. uh, you, you know, but you do, you do, it's a steep learning curve, something that we're really not familiar with. And the first hockey player is actually another guy from long Island, a guy by the name of Eric Bergdorfer, but, uh, he was the first guy in really hit the ground running with all the attributes that you have in hockey you know the the sack the 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 discipline the work ethic the tenacity to get things done and he was really successful early on and uh so when i got introduced to the company through the same mutual friend you know they, they were happy to take on another hockey player right now we're building a whole roster.
2: The, the only thing, that, the hard thing to get used to is people saying no to you, right? When you're yeah. an athlete, everybody say, "Oh, you're the greatest, you're the greatest," and then all of a sudden, I get the sales business, and people start saying no, like what? Oh, I think that's a lot of no's, but you know, you just you just stay
1: after it, just like anything else. You know, just like hockey. You don't if you scored on every shot, it'd be easy. You know, you're you're, just, you're working for that for that goal. You got to shoot the puck a lot. Yeah.
0: Well, speaking of no's, Eric, who was your agent when you uh, were drafted?
1: Um, I, I I I had a couple agents.
2: You never thought of Tom
1: Laidlaw as an agent no I didn't know I didn't know he he
2: I must not have not been good enough I was scared of his father I didn't want to go balloon with his father so they get beat up again or something yeah, uh, yeah no. Right. no you know it's funny I didn't I didn't realize uh I don't know how I missed you but I do remember when you were coming up and I said geez, I should have just called his father for that, but I didn't do it so yeah no, that's all right you know it's it, I'm sure it, it worked out one way or the other yeah definitely uh so and when you finally retired did you uh, injuries retired or you just had enough
1: yeah, I had a couple uh my, my last two seasons were pretty, pretty uh, injury riddled. So um, my my uh, the second to last season, I want to say I, don't know, I missed 20 or 30 games. I got terrible high ankle sprain. Oh. I was racing for a puck and, uh, you know, we just like made contact before going into the boards and I got spun around and uh, my foot got stuck underneath me and it was just lodged against the boards and it just completely turned Like to the point when I when I got up to go skate to the bench. I was afraid to put my foot down because I thought I was going to have like that oh. Louisville basketball player you ever seen that one where the legs snap in half? Oh, yes. that's what it's that's what it felt like. My ankle just twisted completely around, and and after a while I could walk fine, but as soon as I put the skate on, I, I just I couldn't play. So I missed uh, I missed the end of the season. I missed the playoffs. Came back the next year towards the end of the season. Shea Weber hits me with an absolute one time ball oh. right off oh. the top of the laces. Yeah, I was screening the goalie. My line mate laid like a little slow dribbling pass to Shea Weber. And
2: worst he, guy. Worst guy oh, that can hit you too, right? You now. You can just see his horse head coming. Like just <laughs>
1: licking his chops. Full speed leads into the one-timer. It hits me in the top of the laces. And it was, it, the, the buzzer went. It wouldn't even have counted. I didn't take my skate off for the whole period. You know, cause we, had, we were coming off his third. And I just, oh. I went to him. I said, Webby, well, did you get that one? he said, I got all that one. Oh. And then after the game, took my skate off. They x-rayed it. The foot was broken. And then by the time I got healthy again, young guys had come up and were playing well. And I had the injury the previous season. So I kind of just got pushed out the door and I just knew that the end was coming. And I started taking online business classes with, uh, you know, like during the playoffs, I was in orientation on the back of the plane. I started an orientation because I just knew that this was, uh, that I was done after this year.
2: And now you had plans like what you wanted
1: to do after the game was over? No idea. I'm still trying to figure it (laughs) out.
2: I was exactly the same way and I'd heard my back and I knew the end was coming. I was still like, okay, what am I going to do? I, 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 we didn't make much money. We were talking for, so I had a young family, I had to work. It was just, I, I think that's both good and bad for athletes. Right. And we've got this thing that it's always going to work out. Right. And it yeah. always been successful. I think it works that way too. We make it the national hockey league. And it has always worked out. You figure something's going to happen. I remember thinking like, man, I gotta get going here. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I did, I
1: you know, I tried to do all the right things. I, I got in, in onto those uh, online business courses and, and did that. And then I actually uh, ended up going to U of M for my uh, sport management master's degree. Mm-hmm. I was just I was just trying to do all the right things. I did some, I, I had a, I bought a couple rental properties, which ended up being great investments. And, uh, you know, I'm still looking to grow on that, you know, on that side of my little side business. But, uh, you know, covid ha- i went back for my master's and then covid happened oh. and i was still in 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 town and it's amazing when you go back to school and you sit in the front of the classroom and you apply yourself how well you can do as a really to really going, <laughs> yeah yeah chasing the sorority girls and uh you know uh, playing oh. hockey and uh doing keg stands. isn't it yeah so so is it actually it actually spot to the so COVID happened I was still in town and and I had done well in school my advisor called me and said hey do you want to actually teach a course at Michigan wow, wow. yeah so I taught like an intro level sport management course for for uh, a couple of semesters at Michigan before moving down to uh, to um, Florida so I I, I taught for oh. pretty much a year and, and got that experience and had a bunch of student athletes in my class and I tried That's to cool. teach them the power of real estate and you know, understanding that your career is only so long. Do you think. Do you think they listen? Uh, well, because I, I said, listen. I'm a first round draft pick. I played ten years in the NHL, and here I am right now. I came back to school. I'm teaching here. I know that there's. I, I'm still going to have to work in my life. Like, you, if if you set it up correctly when you're young, you might not have to be back here in the classroom or teaching. It's all about you know the way you position yourself when you have that that window of opportunity. And I I tell that to all the young guys, like in the alumni weekends that we have at Michigan, that the pro guys have said, this is your window to plant the seeds to set you up when you're done playing.
2: And do you think to listen? I, I think back when I was in college, Tom wouldn't have listened. Yeah, I wouldn't have listened. They're like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. So saying, yeah. I'm thinking I'm going to play in the NHL for a hundred years. Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard of something. They don't, uh, I,
1: I think they, some of them do, some of them don't, but they, right. you don't quite understand the yeah. impact of that, that, yeah. you know, how hard it is once you get out of the game, the transition, it's, it's definitely tough.
2: Yeah. Is. Yeah. Yeah. Get, you know, you're missing the te- old team thing like that yeah. first tool that you're not playing anymore you're not going back to a training camp like that's one of the things that kind of kicks in there it's like mm-hmm. i'm not i'm not going to a training camp I've done that all my life a training camp so. yeah you know it's funny you talk about the rental properties uh i was playing a, a ranger islander alumni game and i won't mention the players uh but a couple of guys that have played uh, more more recent so you're sitting in the bed chatting way just getting to know each other and i said this, so what do you do for work now and he looks at me this work he says i have, that's in rental properties like yeah. they make so much money they don't work anymore right? i think so. Who, well, like. who was that who was that saying Aaron Verus, right? oh, yeah, and, yeah. and mike davinsky the same brandon brandon davinsky his name he did it used to be mike he uh but he looked at me they both looked at me like i was nuts like work
1: no it's it, it is it's, it's it's a great way if you set it up correctly i mean you don't have to especially if you just like when you're making all the money yeah. that's the opportunity that you know you're you can Banks are going to lend to you. You can. You have the ability to just, you know, make the pay, the down payments on on homes. And if you do that right, you can have. Once the paychecks from the NHL turn off, you can have. Yeah. You know, I, I learned too much at the end of my career. Right. That's when I really had I had the education on on that. So now I'm chasing the eight ball and trying to get to that point. Yeah, but at the quiet. beginning of your career, you're
0: just focused on being a pro and staying in the league and succeeding. You're not yeah, thinking about this day.
2: But there are some some guys think through it. Like there are guys that are smart, a small percentage guys really plan yeah. for the future. But yeah, the most of us, part, part of the thrill of being in the NHL is the hanging with the guys. You know, going for lunch. Up, you're you in know. the NHL for Christ's sake. That's yeah, not, yeah. that's awesome. But yeah. but Eric Tarek's point though, if you you could do both, you should be able to do both. You should be able to have the fun, the experience of being in the NHL, but also prepare yourself for after.
1: Well, and it's also, it's it's also, you know, as simple as, you know, finding, a, you, you you live in your city, finding an affordable place, living below your means. Yeah. And then, you know, you go to your next city, you hold that one, you rank it to somebody, you pick, you, you know, you pick something up in this city you, that you live in, you hold that, you know, you play on four teams, you've got these four homes that are just like growing in value, like just yeah. as simple as that. Right. But the, it really comes down to the education of that. Like nobody's really talking about that stuff.
2: Yeah. And it's the networking too, right? Like I do more networking now because it's actually a great opportunity because the Rangers have us out in public meeting all these wealthy individuals and business owners, so I've learned to really network well. But sh- I, I should have done more of it when I was playing too. I did some of it, but it's- Yeah, like, like you know, you
1: that's that's it's like leveraging your network yeah. at that point when yeah. you're in your prime. Because when you're done, you know, you're kind of like kicked out. You're out the door and you're like, yeah. you, you know, your relevance goes down. Yeah. You're, you know, you
2: become irrelevant. Yeah, so, isn't that true? That's one of the hardest things to handle. Like the ego takes a big beating with that. Yeah. Like, you know, you go down the corner the gas station, the guy's pumping your gas for free and everything. And all of a sudden, now you're not playing anymore. He's like, who are, who are you? Yeah, $30, yeah, exactly. $30 please, sir. Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to tell a story, all yeah. my stories. Uh, when I first got in the agent business, I was going to places like Moose Jaw and Swift Current and all that. And there's this uh, bus company called Laidla Buses. And uh, so I go check into a hotel. And now I'm in the agent business. People are saying no to me sometimes. I'm just getting started. So the egos is getting beat up all the time. So I go to check in, and they go, "Late law, late law." I'm thinking, "Please remember that I played in the NHL." And they'd always go, "Are you with the bus company?" <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Bus company? yes, sir. Yes, <laughs> sir. Yeah, they don't even want that I must drive for. It. Yeah, that's what it. Well, Eric, thing
1: that- yeah, go ahead. go ahead. No, no, please, please. I have to say, the other thing that you guys, uh, you know, were missing out on was the social media exposure. Yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. It's a blessing and a curse in ways. You know that it's it's. Uh, yeah, I think it's the root of all evil at the same time. But, you know, like, think about some of these guys who played back in the day and their, their star power and, yeah. you know, the, what they what they could have done with that social media yeah. outreach that, that some players have now. Like, that's that's a machine for these
0: guys. Well, Tom's more than made up for that. I've seen his post. He posts every day like a teenage girl. He's always
1: got five yeah. posts a day. I
2: love it. Yeah, but, you know... And I think it isn't just to better yourself or make more money too. You can really help other people out there too. Yeah. Right? Like your father or yourself. I mean, you're out there, they see your work ethic exceeded a total compliment too. You didn't necessarily make it as your skill. You made it because of your heart and your will and your drive. And mm-hmm. So you can really, other people will follow you based on that. And they, see, well, I can accomplish things too. Look at what he did. He didn't have oh, their sure. talent. But to jump back to what Eric said, like Eric did a lot of charity work too while he was, you still do, I'm
0: sure.
1: Right. Yeah, you know, as, as much as I can, uh, we, the, the Predators had a great thing going on where you contribute, you know, like X amount per year. You get all the tickets, um, you know, for the game that gets contributed to, you know, whatever whatever you choose. They hang your banner in the arena with your face on it. To me, the most disappointing thing was that that uh, how every single player did have their face banner hanging up there. It wasn't... a, a at the the amount that we were making the contribution to like to to get to that status or whatever was nothing it was a, a drop in the hat but uh, they had a great thing set up there that really helped out we try to get involved as much as we can in, in any way we can with you know I I wish my dad always told me that I should have set up a foundation but uh, I, I never listened to that advice that that is a regret that I have but any way we can help out. We're, we're always
2: looking for Makes you feel good, doesn't it? Like, he, yeah. like you're, you're helping out them more, but you end up getting more from the uh, the event or wherever, whoever you're I got to ask you, Shea Weber, one of my favorite players all the time. Don't know him. Good guy? Oh, great
1: guy. Nah. He's one of those guys, okay? Like Shea Weber has like, you know, you, you could stack up two of the biggest box jump platforms and he would jump it. Oh. Throws, a, throws a football like Tom Brady. Like just mm. like, uh, you know, just one of these specimen oh, yeah. athletes in every way, shape, or form. He right. just... Looks like a real
2: leader, too, right? I give it.
1: Intense competitor, but very even-keeled, quiet, quiet, but uh, that guy's
2: a moose. And so, a tough question here. Do you ever get the feeling that you live in your father's shadow? Uh, you know what? It's a great shadow to live in, I'll tell
1: you that yeah. much. Good way of looking at it. No. Huh? You know, yeah. Uh, not many people have a career like that, you know. He just had a, a gifted career. Um, but again, that that uh, that opened the door for me as well because we had the access to the ice. You know, he knew what he was talking about. I had him in my corner all the time through the highs and the lows, and uh, you know, I could I wouldn't have asked for it any other do you guys do you guys get into chirping a lot we had brian boucher on and his
0: son's a first round pick and he picked higher than brian was and he said they they talk shit all the time with each other do you talk shit with your dad
2: or how does that work I, i'm too scared of that <laughs> fair enough i thought he's such a nice man too like when you're on the ice with him like he knew exact he knew how to intimidate like i said he said to me that one time when he says i let you do. and i'm, looking at, I'm thinking to myself first of all probably true It's second like, well what are we going to do about that like you can't cheer back at that it's like it's- oh he I, I
1: like even when i was growing up like he would come out to like the three-on-three game on the small rink like with the, and and uh, he couldn't turn it off like you know he's like come on boys you gotta pick it up here like, upset. <laughs> you funny.
2: know like three-on-three summer skate like that's oh, just relaxing you so competitive that's funny so, probably still that way now your poor mother out there in the trails probably has to keep oh, up with right? going oh she's on the yeah. bike just so you know, he's he's keeping up with her oh she's she beast too like she's good oh nice yeah. That's cool. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Well, listen, thank you very much for having you on. I pleasure meeting you down in Dallas at that time. And uh, you should be very proud of yourself. I mean, we joke around about your father's career and everything, but I think you said about your father too. He lets you have your own career, right? He didn't interfere. He was there to help in your corner and all that, but you're very proud of yourself. You had a great career. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for having you guys. Really yeah, appreciate it. it. Yeah, thanks for coming on.
0: Well, that was a great uh great interview we had long island zone eric nice friend of my friends eddie and evan chalanda um toe drag kings as he said but he um eric you know, just like mark Howe and and other guys he forged his own career out of his dad's shadow which is awesome
2: yeah it's interesting to listen to those guys talking you think you well, your dad coaching you every day like drawing things on the mirror in the kitchen whatever it is uh is there are mirrors in kitchens i don't think that well in your house but, but yeah it's always uh but it's interesting that exact opposite. He was always there for him. Uh, Bob mentioned we're talking about always there for his son, Eric. Uh, but he let him have his own career, be his own guy. And even when he wasn't playing well, it seemed like, you know, it wasn't like his dad jumped in there.
0: No, what, what Eric said was, I'm sure it was music to your ears. Cause you love when you hear that, it's, you know, Bob said, you just have to show up and work hard. Yeah, and agree. if you don't do that, you know, that's all, that's basically the advice he gave. Him, yeah. you know, work hard.
2: It's amazing. There's so much of that, right? And it's just a lesson for life. You know, it, you talk with skill and all this kind of stuff and get, be gifted. Yep. But most guys you talk to, Hey, I just showed up and worked every day. Yep. That's,
0: and that's what you did. And, and Eric had a great career. He had almost yep. 600 games in the NHL. You, you, know, it was
2: consistent. forward. He had to sign a couple of nice contracts. Yeah. You know, what I like to we talked about too, where he was in Calgary Mike Keenan was coaching him and things weren't going that great for him. And he realized I've got to do what Mike Keenan was. he didn't basically say that, but he knew Mike Keenan wanted him to fight. So he started fighting. He really wasn't a fighter all day. Yeah. He started fighting. That his father here we go I, I can't wait till we get him on the show man he was he, he's one of the nicest guys too but he knew how to intimidate just like a look in his eyes you know but also, he had to do the fighting too so yeah and he definitely did that for sure yes he did but no he raised a, a great son. Yeah. he had a
0: great career and yeah. he's doing well now so All yeah he was in cyber security too right? that's pretty cool and you work in you know typing so <laughs> listen tom you're very tom very tech savvy for
2: his for somewhere better way better no, yes definitely I'm good, good. Go back to when my son was trying to get me on Instagram and I didn't know what a hashtag. I started yell, He started yelling at me. His son, Cody, and especially like five, five or six years ago, he said, You're not going to work at this and I'm not going to help you. I said, Wow. Well, yeah. Because so he gave you a little Bob. Now, <laughs> oh, yeah. I said, I don't know what a hashtag is for you or how to do
0: it. <laughs> well, he, well, you learned well and he created a monster. Because, like yeah. I said, you're like a teenage girl with all these
2: posts. <laughs> it's true. I have to do it every day. Every day, I got to do it. got to get up at 3.30. 30. People still get, like, they talk about the 3.30 thing. It just they go, well, like, You get up at three thirty every day? Yeah. You can sleep in. It's okay. No, no, no sleep today. No, man. I actually saw a video the other day, a guy says he gets up at two forty five every day. I Don't he's so he's just not gonna sleep. That's the next yeah. step. Yeah, you know, just go to two no, sleep. every day. I'll show you. But that was a great show. Glad we had Eric on, he had a great career and yeah. uh, Long Island guy, Long Island strong. Good to tell us, kid. Really like to see a guy like that that just worked really hard, be a career for himself and he's doing well. He's a smart kid too. Like- he, yeah, he's in great shape. And like you said, you said they smoked you when you guys played down oh, Dallas. Oh, this guy's wheeled on you. Our poor goalie Mike Fusulo. Then we really said to him, he said, listen, we're not coming back in our own zone." And I think he thought we were joking around because he said, "No, we're not coming back, right or all And then once the game got going, he took the mask out at one point. He had that red said just so. Wait, so he's the head of alumni
0: relations. So what if you don't play these? He's going to be like, you know what? They're not getting booked in these things. You guys probably should have thought
2: that one through a little bit. Yeah, we're helping him. We're, he's working on his game. He's getting lots of shots. Like we played too well that he wouldn't get the. Experience. There you go. So, well, Mike, I apologize on behalf of Tom and the other Rangers. Oh, or Mike Fusulo. Great job. Good show. All right, Grasshoppers, thank you for listening with a fantastic show. We'll see you next time. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that.